Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. There were a number of big announcements this week that we're going to dive into, including inflation dropped pretty significantly down in the States. And this is probably a big part of what made the Fed hold their interest rates at Wednesday's announcement. Also a very pivotal and large announcement here in Canada. Mortgage, new mortgage originations dropped to a multi-decade low. And yet, on the other side of that, of course, we've got rental rates that are absolutely skyrocketing. The newest affordability index was released, and you will not believe where Vancouver landed and sits amongst the top 100 most expensive cities to live in in the world. We've saved that for last, so stick around for that. So let's get right into today's episode. Right off the top, and I think probably the most important, is that the Fed down south decided to hold interest rates at this last Wednesday's announcement. This is the first time that the Fed, that Jerome Powell has held rates, not made a move, did a pause uh, for the first time in 15 months. This dates back to when they started hiking in March of 2022, where since then they did 10 consecutive rate hikes. Starting back prior to March there at 0.25 with their overnight rate, which is now up to five and a quarter, 5.25%. So they're up five full basis points since they started hiking. And uh, keep in mind here, of course, that Canada is at 4.75, 50 bips behind where the Fed is. This ends essentially for now <laughs> the largest cumulative rate hikes seen in 40 years in the South, in the South, in the States, of course, is what I'm talking about here. And this announcement, having them hold, it came one day after the most recent inflation print in the States, at, where we saw it drop significantly by a full 0.9%, almost 1% dropping it down to 4%. This is the lowest it has been in two years. Now, Ryan's going to dive more into that, but understandably, with getting inflation under control, uh, being one of their largest mandates and seeing that large of a drop, maybe based on that metric alone, obviously there's a lot more out there that they base their decisions on, but based on that metric, maybe not too surprising that they did hold, finally, as some would feel, uh, for the first time in those 15 months. Though, they definitely were very prominent in announcing that, hey, just because we held, we're actually expecting to have two more rate hikes within this calendar year, within 2023, as early as the next announcement in July. So are they maybe stating that to kind of stave off excitement and get people not to get uh, too comfortable and feel like they can run out and go spending again and go get more mortgages? Possibly. Or maybe they've got more information than the rest of us do, and they may actually need to use those two rate hikes uh, in the near future here to continue to get inflation under control. Because maybe they're seeing some data come in that says, hey, inflation is proving to still be even stickier than we expected. It's going to be very hard to get it down to that 2%-ish target. Also, what happened this week is with this announcement and with the statement of two more hikes coming in 2023, they also said 
that we can probably expect the Fed to lower rates next year, 2024, in and around the 4.6% rate. That would be a full hundred or a full basis point lower, but hey, lots of things can change between now and then, of course. So we will keep our eye on the next Fed meeting, which takes place on July 26. Yeah, I think a lot of what happens in 2024 has to do with where oil prices are at and uh, obviously where consumer spending and, and consumer sentiment is. And I feel, you know, Dan, like we maybe they learned a lesson from us uh, in so much as that, you know, the Bank of Canada held rates. Uh, and then it seemed like everybody went back out and started buying things again. And we saw a bump in the real estate market. We saw a bump in consumer spending. Uh, and our inflation print didn't come down too. So, you know, it's, it, maybe they're, they're picking up on, uh, the comments, at least that the Bank of Canada made in terms of, hey, we're going to pause now. Uh, they, hey, we're going to pause, but with a caveat that don't get too excited because it's still coming. I think, you know, yeah, I think consumer sentiment is playing into that uh, decision to say that where and when they actually raise. We'll see. But I do think that uh, irrespective, I think we're still nearing the top of the rate hike cycle if we're not there already. So anyhow, let's look at some of the U.S. inflation data. It matters tremendously to us here in Canada. Uh, both of our economies are inextricably linked. So what happens in the States tends to replicate in the, in the Canadian markets. Um, and consumer price inflation in the U.S., so as Dan mentioned, fell to 4% in May of 2023. This is, again, the lowest since March of 2021, so over two years. Uh, and this was slightly below market expectations, not a whole bunch, but slightly below. Uh, they were expecting 4.1%. They got 4%, so that's some good news. This was largely driven by a decline in energy prices. Uh, to give you some sense of what that looks like, um, this time last year, if you were to buy gasoline in the States, which I know a lot of Canadians do, uh, you were looking at $3.59. Sorry, we are at $3.59 a gallon now, down from $5 a gallon uh, as of June last year. So, you know, quite a shift in terms of that uh, volatile um, CPI element. The core rate, uh, this excludes the volatile elements such as food and energy. Um, it's also slowed to 5.3%. Uh, this is the lowest since November of 2021, supporting some of that argument for pausing the rate hikes. Uh, so we'll see again if that continues. On a monthly basis, prices rose by 0.1% following 0.4% uh, in April. So we're starting to see uh, you know, that price surge slow down, which is great news. Uh, and then as Dan mentioned, feds have officially said that they were, uh, skipping or pausing, uh, at this month. However, uh, they indicated that July may be the next time that they raise, uh, depending on which article you read and which piece of data you follow or, or want to follow. Uh, some people are saying that this is the end of the rate hike cycle. Some people are saying there's still more to come. So I, it's really, Divided depends on what kind of economists you're reading and what sector that they tend to favor. So, um, of course, all of this uh, has an impact on the U.S. stock market, as we saw today. 
So quick, quick notes here, uh, S and P 500 closed up 0.7% ticking further into heights. We haven't seen since April of 2022, the Dow Jones industrial average ended the day at 0.4%, about half a percent higher. And the NASDAQ jumped nearly a full percent up 0.8. So the U S stock market is uh, a great tool for understanding consumer sentiment and uh you know from what we're seeing here and the behavior of it it appears like the markets are responding to the feds first of all saying they're going to pause in their rate hike cycle but two have they staved off a major u.s recession or has it just been prolonged i think that's very much up for debate but the markets anyhow are responding in a very positive way so obviously even though they've paused and even though that will help one portion of the marketplace here, obviously rates are a lot higher than they were 15 months ago. And anyone who has either got a variable mortgage or has applied for a mortgage recently has certainly got an indication of this. So we're starting to see these increased rates really start to affect the marketplace. Obviously, we saw prices drop for the nine months following the initial hikes and they started to lift again and sales volume started to drop off too. But what's happening now is we're getting the data about new mortgages. So people who are applying and actually uh, qualifying and of course using brand new mortgages. And newly issued mortgages hit their lowest point of growth for a Q1 dating back 20 years Whoa. to 2023. So Q1, sorry, 2003. 2003 yeah. In 2023, Q1 is what they were, when they were the lowest since 2003, excuse me. It equated to about $11.2 billion in, in new mortgages. So obviously, if when people can't afford what they want to, especially compared to a year and a half ago, uh, and they feel that it's a rather volatile marketplace, you know, will um, rates go up even further? Then people are, quote unquote, okay, they're going to hold off. They're going to pull back. They're going to put themselves on the sidelines until they feel a little bit more like they're in a stable environment or maybe prices come down to a point where they can start to buy the type of home that they like again, because of course, as we know, prices, sorry, affordability, the ability to buy what you could 15 months ago with that same income and same qualification, it's down 35 ish percent. So, you know, uh, 12 months ago, sorry, 15 months ago, when you could buy a home for a million bucks, your same qualification. Now you're looking at homes in like the 650 range, radically different type of home that you can get with those two price points. So, People are pulling back and they're not buying homes. That means new mortgages are down. So new mortgages at a 20-year low, which means sales volumes is going to also be low. Now, what's even worse here is that the people who are buying these homes are really stretching themselves. So the share of new mortgages in Canada with these borrowers spending 25% or more of their gross income on their payments, that number is skyrocketing. So I'm going to give you three different examples here. We got first-time home buyers, we got repeat buyers, we got investors, right? These are the three types of people getting mortgages. Dating back to about 2014, up until right at the end of 2021, basically let's call it January 2022, these numbers were essentially flat, right? The, the, the percentage of people using 25% or more was essentially flat. First-time home buyers, we're sitting about 20% of them uh, were using 25% or less, to get into these um, mortgages. That number is now at 45%. Meaning 45% of, of first-time home buyers, they're spending 25% or more of their gross income on 
covering their mortgage payment. It's it's for those on YouTube, we'll, we'll provide the chart here. It's really quite astronomical. Repeat buyers, they were about averaging about 15% of those uh, repeat buyers were using 25% or more of their income. That has more than doubled to 33%. Same thing for investors. They were averaging about 10%. Now, 22% of investors are using 25% or more of their gross income to cover the payments on new mortgages. So understandably, that is also going to slow down the rest of the economy when so much of your income is going towards mortgages. And this is starting to filter through here now in GVRD, because if you've been listening to our channel for some time, you know that active inventory has not crossed the 9,000 mark for, I think it's, gosh, we're coming up on, on, I think, seven months here now. Well, what happened? Today, we're recording this on June 14th. Today was the first time that active inventory in GVRD crossed 10,000 active listings dating back to November of 2022 seven months ago. So while sales are still going to be higher than last year, we're trending towards, I don't know, about 25% more sales in this month of June compared to a June of 2022. Uh, we're seeing prices basically flat for the month, but we're starting to see inventory climb and again, crossing 10,000 for the first time in seven months. You know, Dan, the, the problem doesn't stop there though. <laughs> no, it does not. It, 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 it gets, uh, infinitely more difficult to solve too, because as these things go up, you know, people are going to get calls from their banks too. Hey, listen, you know, you're now in trigger rate territory. If you're on a variable rate mortgage, you know, I know you were spending whatever it was, 20% of your income, and now you're spending 30 or 40% of your income and the bank's saying, Hey, we need more money. <laughs> At which point some people are going to go, okay, cool. Well, I'm, I'm going to sell my property then. But then they're going to go right over into the rental market. And the rental market is even more broken. And this is all resulting from just simply not having enough homes and enough supply over the last 20 or 30 years to deal with what we're, we're going through right now. Uh, with that said, though, uh, so I want to touch on some of the rental rates because it's like every other month a new record's getting broken. Um, we continue to break our uh, population growth. Uh, records and you know the the PR numbers are are through the roof right now. Uh, is it any wonder why rental rates continue to go up? I mean, it, it's, it makes logical sense to me. Um, so according to RentSync, one bed um, one beds in Vancouver they increased another fourteen dollars a month on average last month, and they are now at a whopping two thousand six hundred and forty nine dollars a month on average for a one bed, but What's even more uh, perhaps startling is there are now bidding wars for rental units, and it's worse than the resale. Um, we're hearing prospective renters are getting all of 15 minutes to look at a property like a one-bed downtown. Uh, they're told where the quote-unquote starting rental rate number is, and they're given a deadline to submit what they feel they're prepared to pay per month. Not all that dissimilar from the way that uh, uh, the resale market works, but at least you get you know an hour in the resale market. <laughs> uh, I, I, I joke when I say that you've got days, if not sometimes weeks, but you know to be given just a, a few br brief minutes in terms of what's acceptable. Oh my goodness, that makes it very difficult for for renters. And again, people who are thinking, oh, you know, well, I'm going to sell my property and get get out of my expensive mortgage. And go where? 
there's no real solution at this point. And that, you know, it creates more of a mess. So it's a very interesting place where we're in right now. And I'm not entirely sure how it gets solved. Well, it certainly feels like Vancouver must be one of the most expensive places in the world to live. Being here, you know, we can attest for it. Everything feels expensive. And when we report weekly or monthly here that, oh, guess what? Prices for rents are an all-time high and, and uh, prices or affordability for, for uh, resale for a home to be an owner is basically all-time high or it's the most unaffordable it's been. So where does Vancouver then rank on a global scale? It's an interesting thing to kind of have that level of perspective. And to do that, well, there's something called the Mercer Report, and, and they just released their data here. And each year they rank global cities uh, on their affordability. Interestingly, Mercer, now an American consulting firm, was founded back in 1945 in Vancouver, right here. It was built, <laughs> and now they're headquartered in New York. They have offices in 43 countries around the world, and... Um, have operations in 130 countries with get this over 25,000 employees. Whoa. So they have an immense amount of data and metrics to reference. So here we go. Cost of living city ranking for 2023 of 227 cities rounding up the top three most expensive. Number one, Hong Kong, not too surprising. They were also in the number one position at this time last year, but number two, this city jumped six spots into the number two position. It's Singapore. Singapore, I have heard. I have not visited. I've heard it is incredibly expensive, and this obviously speaks to it. Number three, slipping one spot from number two down to number three, is Zurich in Switzerland. Third most expensive city in the world for cost of living. So what's your guess, everybody? I mean, before we say it, I mean, should we take some, 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 uh, some votes here, some guesses? Like, some what number is Vancouver? Pause the video. Put your rank below. Is it number four? Is it five? Is it worse than that? Okay. Well, maybe you entered in a number. Maybe you didn't. Here you go. Vancouver ranks 116th in the world for cost of living. I found this amazing. I was honestly expecting top 10, but yeah. nope. There are 115 more cities in, the, in this world of ours that are more expensive to live in than Vancouver. Based on these rankings, I would have never actually that. dropped eight spots, making it. I guess, yeah. Right? I just so, would have never. I, I mean, shocking. Um, yeah, every time I look at things like affordability, I, I just assume Vancouver's in the top ten. <laughs> but well, uh, have you ever lived in Hong Kong, Singapore, or Zurich? No, I've gone to Singapore, but I've never, I've never okay. lived there. But it was extremely expensive to travel through, so I can only imagine living there. But uh, there you go. What so if we wanted any to go of our listeners? <laughs> Pardon me. What if we wanted to go the other way? Like, what's the cheap? Like, what are the cheapest places? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And please, if anyone listening has ever lived in or does live in Hong Kong, Singapore, Zurich, or any of the top ten or even fifty or even one hundred cities, let us know. <laughs> this is easy to pull up. Just go to Mercer.com. This is where you can find all these rankings. But yeah, good question. What's on the other end of the spectrum? What if you wanted to really stretch your dollar? Well, rounding up the bottom three is in position 225, Havana in Cuba is apparently got a very low cost of living comparative to the rest. Second to last is Karachi in Pakistan and the least inexpensive city in the world right now ranked at number 227 is Islamabad, Islamabad also in Pakistan. So 
I've never been to either. I just pulled up some photos of Islamabad and it actually looks quite nice. They got this new mega hospital going in. Anyway, I know nothing about that country. So other than what the Mercer report says here. So very fascinating numbers here and a lot of moving pieces here. And I think, you know, looking forward, forward being the next three months here, even it looks like we're going to see a continued slowdown in the real estate market here in Vancouver. We're seeing less mortgages being applied for less mortgages, actually going through. We're seeing the summer months coming on. We're starting to see some inventory tick up. And as we know, summer months typically here in Vancouver pull back a bit as far as sales volumes. We will see June sales volumes lower than they were here in May. Um, I think the real, well, hey, we also just saw jobs numbers peel off a little bit too. Uh, and I think that was a surprise. So now we're seeing unemployment numbers starting to tick up. And it kind of feels like we're at the beginning edge of all the pain, if you will, that's been expected ever since all these rate hikes started happening 15 months ago. We may even see another rate hike next month too. So I think we're going to see the economy slow down. I think we're going to see housing slow down. Uh, I expect prices to maybe go flat-ish for the next few months here, maybe even start to tick downwards by August. Uh, it's not going to be a spike. It, it never really is here. This this economy, this industry, it, it moves very slowly. Though I think the the pain and, and the pullback is really starting to set in now. And we're going to see these numbers come to light definitely by the time the Q2 data rolls out. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree, Dan. Uh, just the conversations that we're having with people, um, you know, three months ago, four months ago, people were getting pre-approved and, and looking to buy property. And a handful of those people that we're talking to have just gone through company-wide layoffs, right? So we are seeing uh, companies beginning to adjust uh, for what could be a future recession. Uh, it, you know, I, I we've been calling a, a recession here the latter half of the year for some time and, and potentially into 2024, which is why we think that rates will start to get cut in 2024, but we're not there yet. And I do think there's going to be more pain to come. Um, I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I think uh, we're going to see pain in the rental market. Uh, and depending on uh, most of the pain will probably come from the origination of new mortgages um, with buyers having to foot those bills for the time being until they begin to ease later uh, later into next year. But we're not there yet. And like you said, a lot could happen between here and there. Yeah, as of today, if you are going out and you are applying for a fixed mortgage, rates are in and around uh, three-year fixed with TD is around 5.79 today. Uh, HSBC, you can get about 5.54. These uh, these may very well start to tick up into the sixes, the low sixes very soon here. Right? Bond yields are still quite high, as high as 2008, and mortgages are being increased regularly here based on that. So it is only become more and more challenging and affordability is only going to become lessened in the immediate future here, which again is going to cause for more of a pullback. So expect a, a, some inventory to continue to rise. Again, that's a good thing. Um, hopefully we start mm -hmm. to see some of this sentiment really pull back a bit because it's, it's become too hot again, as we know, and prices should not be ripping in this environment, but we'll keep you updated as this thing continues to move as quick as it does here. So lots happening. Thanks for sticking around and watching. Hope you did well in your vote as to where Canada or Vancouver's affordability goes. And uh, we will see you next week. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. 
For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.